contrary to the lighting situation, I'm not feeling blue. But uh, now we, we're getting these adjusted. We had a, a, an electrical issue because of a lightning strike. And so, um, but we have them working and they're going to get adjusted later this week. So <clears throat> let's grab our Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We'll be reading verses 25 through 32. We continue to work through the book of Ephesians uh, in a series of sermons we are calling Basic Christianity. These are the core essential elements of the Christian faith. And chapters 1 through 3 of the book of Ephesians dealt with uh, the riches that we have in Christ, and now chapters 4 and following deal with our responsibilities in light of our riches. We have looked at the doctrine uh, of the Christian faith in chapters 1 through 3, and now we see the duty of the Christian life and how we are to live the Christian life. In verses 25 through 32, here in Ephesians chapter 4, we get a glimpse of the normal Christian life. And I hate that, uh, you know, sermon titles usually typically only get used once uh, because we, we move on to other things. The normal Christian life could characterize all of chapters 4, 5, and 6, uh, and especially here, verses 25 into chapter 5, uh, well, all the way uh, into, uh, well, several verses into chapter 5. Uh, and so, again, what Paul is breaking down here is the normal Christian life and what it looks like uh, to, to live that life. <coughs> Excuse me. Let's read our text, Ephesians chapter 4 beginning in verse 25. Hear now the word of the true and living God. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Let us pray. Lord God, we believe that your word is living and active, and we pray that through your living and active word, you would grant new life to us as we seek to live life before you. Help us to see how these verses apply to us on a day-to-day -day basis. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. One thing that we haven't spent too much time on is uh, the book of Ephesians from kind of a 30,000-foot view. And so, if we back up to chapter 2 and verse 10, 
there we see that now that we are saved by grace through faith in Christ, we are the workmanship of God, or God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. One thing that we have seen emphasized as we've gone through chapter 4 is the Christian life compared to a walk. And here is the first reference to it in chapter 2 and verse 10, that, that we are to walk in these good works that God has prepared for us, and He prepared them beforehand. We saw back in chapter 4 and verse 1 when we began uh, this second half of the epistle that there is a worthy manner that, is, that we are to walk in. It is worthy of our calling in Christ Jesus. Last week, we were exhorted in verse 17 to no longer walk like the Gentiles. Chapter 5 and verse 2, Paul is going to talk about how we are to walk in love. And, and on it goes uh, into uh, this uh, fifth chapter, verse 15. We look carefully how we are to walk. We are not to walk as unwise, but as wise. There is, again, the normal Christian life is a, a walk. It's how we walk around in this world. It's how we live our lives on a daily basis, Tuesday mornings, Thursday afternoons, Saturday nights. And so Paul, he, he's been emphasizing this as we've gone along, that this walk. And when one of the things that we see, and we'll continue to see, it's different. It, it is different than the way that the rest of the world walks. This Christian life is different than how the non-Christian lives their life. Now, when I, even when I say that phrase, normal Christian life, I mean, what, what comes into your mind when, when you hear that phrase? There used to be kind of a folksy saying back in the day that, well, it means that you don't drink, smoke, or chew, or go with the girls that do, right? Or the boys that do. And maybe even related to that is, well, the normal Christian life is just a bunch of don'ts, right? Or thou shalt nots. Well, it is true that there are certain behaviors that we are to avoid. The normal Christian life also has a positive aspect to it, which we'll see here. And it's, it's wrapped around this idea of good. Back in chapter 2 and verse 10, there are these good works that we are to walk in. Kind of hidden here in the midst of our text uh, verses 25 through 32 of chapter 4, and again, there, there's a structure that is just masterful by the Apostle Paul uh, that, that I'll, I'll highlight here in just a moment, but right here in the heart of this section, verses 28 and 29, and it kind, kind of can be lost by our English translations, but um, verse 28, uh, the thief is no longer to steal, he's supposed to work, doing honest work is what my English standard says, but the word there for honest is actually the word good. You're supposed to do honest, good work. It connects to, verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good. So right here in the heart of our text this morning is this, this good stuff. There's, a, there, there's good work to be done, and there are good words to be spoken. And this is all related to how you're God's masterpiece. And there are good works that you're supposed to be busy about. And these good works are things that God, He's prepared from eternity for you to, to put into practice the goodness of this. And then also, where we left off last week, we saw the, the three steps here of put off the old self, 
your old self, by the way, that's, all, that's you. You're responsible for that, okay? That whole filth of the, the former life, the carnival of filth from chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, everything involved in chapter 4, verses 17 through 19 about the futility of your thinking, that's your old self. You put that off. You, you're renewed in the spirit of your mind, and then you put on the new self, which you get from God. You, you didn't, that's not your good self. That's the good self God gives you, and in fact, it's in Christ that you put this on. And it is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Created. Mm. Chapter 2 and verse 10. We are his workmanship. Ready? Created in Christ Jesus. All th- Paul is just masterful of weaving all this together. And how this, the, the whole structure of Ephesians is, is, is connected. And so now that you're created in Christ Jesus... You're created with this, uh, after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul, what's it look like? How does the rubber meet the road? Verse 25, here's the worthy walk, the worthy calling and all that belongs to it. It begins, verse 25, have, uh, therefore having put away falsehood. Falsehood, uh, that is uh, lying. It's lying, it's deception, it's, uh, and by the way, it also includes those little white lies, Right? People talk about the little lies, right? And I don't know, if maybe that's kind of like being a little pregnant, all right? Look, it'll show up after a while, okay? Honesty is always the best policy. So Christians are called here. Part of what belongs to your old self that you used to wear and walk around in was falsehood. Put that away, all right? Put it away, and instead let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Paul is a master of the Old Testament scriptures, and he just, he just you may not even recognize, he's just weaving Old Testament scripture right into what he's talking about here. And you're like, well, where, where's that found? Well, it's actually in the book of Zechariah, chapter 8. Back in Zechariah, chapter 8, and verse 16, God here is bringing a word to his people who uh, they, they came under God's judgment because of their evil behavior, but God here is signaling to them restoration, that, that God still has good purposes for his people, and that in light of those good purposes, therefore, uh, verse uh, 16 of Zechariah chapter 8, these are the things you shall do. So, Yes, you came into judgment for your evil behavior, but I still have good purposes for you. Therefore, do this. Ready? Speak the truth to one another. Render in your gates judgments that are true and make for peace. Do not devise evil in your heart against one another and love no false oath for all these things I hate, declares Yahweh. And so here is Paul and speaking the truth to one another, uh, to your neighbor. All of this is tied back to Zechariah 8 and verse 16. And there's a sense in which, look, God has passed judgment on your old self. He did that in the cross. But God still has good purposes and, in fact, good works for you to engage in. So here's what you are to do. Put away falsehood. Speak the truth to one another, to your neighbors. Why? You're members one of another. You belong to each other. You're part of this thing that's called the church. It's interesting. Speak the truth. That that corresponds back to 4 verse 15. Remember this? Rather, 
Speak the truth in love. And so here is Paul. We are are to be people who are uh, to love one another. The neighbor here, speak the truth to your neighbor. That would be your brother contextually because we're members one of another. It's in the context of the church. And we are to deal truthfully with one another because once you start introducing deception and falsehood within the body, that's destructive. You know who the father of lies is after all? Yeah. No, we, uh, for starters here, uh, when it comes to this different life, Paul strikes right at the root of this thing of don't lie, speak the truth to one another. There's the positive aspect of this. Uh, there, there's uh, a good thing. We are to be motivated to speak the truth. And again, in that atmosphere of love that we saw back in uh, chapter 4, verses uh, 15 and 16, speaking the truth in love, the body's supposed to build itself in, up in love. That's the atmosphere where because we love one another, we're members one of another, and we belong to one another, speak the truth to one another. Uh, lying will do harm to the body of Christ if there isn't uh, openness and honesty uh, with one another. What will happen will fall into disorder and disunity and uh, all kinds of trouble within Christ's church. So uh, the Christian, we, we reject and we abandon the thing that would bring harm to the body of Christ. Uh, and so we, we speak truth. And, and that's, speaking the truth is part of what edifies the body as well. We're building one another up as we speak truth. Verse 26 strikes right at how do you... How do you react? And in fact, it, it shouldn't even be a reaction. It should be more, how do we respond to one another? You see, reaction is that instant anger, right? Uh, someone, someone did something bad to me, and so, mm, right, anger. Well, verse 26, you can be angry, all right? Th- there should be some kind of response. We're not robots, right, that are unfeeling and all that. Something bad happens. Okay, oh, I, I didn't like that. Be angry, but don't sin. Right? Don't sin in your anger. Uh, far too often, we're quick to, to sin and we're not angry about that. Right? Be angry and do not sin. Paul is concerned. He wants to prevent sin, absolutely. But again, we are emotional creatures. We, we, those, are, those are anger. It tells you something's wrong. It's a red flag. Right? So be angry. Don't sin. By the way, again, Paul's just, we, did you even recognize? This is from your Old Testament. Psalm 4. Psalm 4 and verse 4. Those of you uh, who attend the Wednesday night Bible class or catch the replay on YouTube, you already know we covered this a, a couple few weeks ago. Psalm 4, verse 4, be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your hearts on your beds and be silent. Right? If, if, you're, uh, if you're all full of anger uh, and you haven't dealt with it, guess what? You're going to be tossing and turning in your bed. This is why, as we come back to Ephesians 4, verse 26, Paul says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. That seems to correspond to pondering on your bed and all that. Uh, you're not going to get uh, a good night's sleep if you're all just angry and, and man, I can't believe they did that to me. And uh, You're going to toss and turn. And so Paul says here, again, if, you're, if and when you get angry, you should deal with it before the sun goes down. Deal with it immediately, quickly. Otherwise, verse 27, you're going to give an opportunity to the devil. Oh, and he, man, the devil's just waiting, right? He's, he's a lion on the prowl looking for someone to devour. And anger, 
Yeah, he's, he's able to leverage that for his own uh, uh, opportunity. In fact, here, the, the force of this in verse 29, it could be that Paul is exhorting these Christians to stop giving the devil an opportunity. That the, the idea here, at least by implication, is some of these Christians are being taken advantage of by the devil. And, and he's found ample opportunity. And so Paul's saying, no, stop that. Don't, don't give the devil any opportunity. Uh, give, in, give the devil an inch, he'll take a mile, and it'll wreak havoc in the church. You know, what often begins as, as righteous indignation, right? That's a phrase we use, right? That's usually what we mean, mean by that is uh, anger against sin, directed towards sin. And, and sin, it, it, it ought to promote some kind of negative response in us. But what can happen is that righteous indignation, instead of actually dealing with it and handling it, we, we shove it down and, and, and it can fester and it can simmer and it can, it can grow into bitterness and resentment and pride and, and a whole host of other things that Paul's going to deal with in verse 31. Very interesting there. When he gets there, he's going to say, you know what, put all this away because, you know, when it, when it comes to anger, we typically don't handle it very well, so it's, it's best to just put all that away, but we'll deal with that in a moment. Carrying anger into the next day, that just allows further opportunity for the devil to tempt us, further opportunity for him to uh, find his foothold, and, you know, you're trying to slam the door on it, and he's got his foot there, right? And, and uh, look, the, the, while it's day, handle your emotions, uh, go to your brother, go to your sister, uh, hopefully in a calm way, under, in a self-controlled way, because that's an exhortation as well in Scripture, to be self-controlled. And to deal with this particular issue that uh, uh, has, has prompted those feelings of anger. Night is coming. Night is coming. And so uh, we, we need to uh, deal with these things. The other thing is, someone may say, you know, especially when we get down to verse 31 where Paul says, put away all anger. Someone may say, well, wait a minute, Jesus got angry. And that's right, he did. Uh, he did get angry. Uh, Mark chapter 3 is a, is a key example of that. But guess what? He didn't just get angry and then, you know, go off and just nurse that bitterness and all that. And, oh, these guys are going to get it, right, and zap out of my universe or whatever. He handled his business. He, he, he confronted uh, those, uh, his own creatures, by the way. He confronts them and says, you guys have it all twisted. And go back and read Mark chapter 3. He's in the synagogue. And uh, it was specifically, they were, they were seeking a way to test him. So their, their own motivations are all twisted and distorted. And he, he confronts them about that. Uh, and then heals a man who has a shriveled hand. But, but again, here's, here's the thing. Solomon, the wise man, he knew that uh, anger lodges in the bosom of fools. Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 9. So we're, we're not to harbor that resentment. We're not to keep it just wound up in our hearts, lodged there, uh, but rather... Uh, we should seek to handle that anger in a godly way. Don't let the sun go down on it. Verses 28, 29, as I said, this is kind of the heart of our text this morning. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest or good work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. It's pretty straightforward. And, and stealing... It's fascinating the way, again, Paul, he, he weaves in the Old Testament. In verse 25, he wove in a verse from the prophets, Zechariah, right? In verse 26, he wove in a text from uh, the Psalms, 
which are sometimes called the writings. So the prophets, the writings, and now he weaves in, guess where, from the law. He's got the law, the prophets, and the writings, the whole Old Testament. And, and it's, it's interesting also, uh, there are some who see here Paul kind of laying down a new Ten Commandments, uh, a Ten Commandments under the new covenant, if you will. It depends on how you break down the numbering here, but uh, it, it seems as though Paul is saying, look, we are a new covenant community, and there is a, an ethic that goes along with that, and, and here's what it looks like. And he'll, he gladly pulls from the Old Testament and says, that's still applicable also in order to say, this is how we ought to live and uh, deal with one another. Here, let the thief no longer steal. That corresponds to the eighth commandment, just off the top of my head there, okay? Uh, so you had the uh, uh, ban on theft under the, the Ten Commandments. Here, Paul, he may be expanding upon this perhaps a bit, and he says, uh, uh, I, I mean, it's, it's good not to steal. What would be even better is get to work, do honest work, do good work with your hands, but then what's even best is you haven't stolen. In fact, you've worked and, and you've earned a, 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 a living, and now you are sharing, right, so that you have something to share with anyone in need. There's a need to be met, and, and you're able to fill it because of a hard day's work, so to speak, yes? Uh, that uh, is, is what is bound upon uh, the Christian when it comes to this, is uh, a good, better, best, uh, you could also break it down. There's a, kind of the unnatural behavior of, of theft, of stealing. I mean, and, and the natural thing, it's natural to, to engage in, in hard work. But then what is supernatural is, and, and what belongs especially to the Christian ethic is to share with people as, as need arises. Um, so uh, here, again, good work. Work is not a bad thing. Work belonged to the world before the fall. Go back and read chapter 2 of Genesis, and you see Adam, he had a work to do. He was to work and keep the garden. The result of the fall is you're going to work your whole life, and all you're going to get is thorns and thistles. Right, so there is a curse placed upon the ground, uh, but work is still part of uh, kind of the normal behavior for humans. And for Christians, it's especially bound upon us. I'm thinking of 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, Paul says, For even when we were with you, we would give you this command, If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that there are some who walk in idleness. Notice that. Uh, not busy at work, but busy bodies. So, uh, again, Christians, the, uh, we are to be people who are, uh, well, we, we work hard. Uh, and we do that ultimately for the glory of God, recognizing that He's the one we're we're doing everything for. Verse 29, verse 28 is the good work that we are to do. Here's the good word that we are to engage in. Uh, verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. And the word here for corrupting uh, could, it was sometimes was used in a uh, commercial way. If you went out to the market, and, and especially to like the fish market, and there was a fish there, and... Um, uh, it was. It was. Uh, it had spoiled. It hadn't been sold, and so it had spoiled. Ooh, that that's that's corrupt. It's rotten. Okay. Which, by the way, fish already. I mean, we even use the phrase, right? Something smells. That smells fishy, right? 
But here, a corrupt, a, a rotten fish, right? It was also used for fruit. Okay, if you've, you've ever gotten a bad piece of fruit that's rotten, it's, oh, ugh, just. Well, there's also talk that is corrupt. It's rotten, right? It's, it's bad. And so here, yeah, let no corrupting talk. No, what kind of things are coming out of your mouth? And by the way, our Lord himself connected what comes out of our mouths to our hearts. Matthew 1, 2, 3, 4. Right? There's the way to remember it. 1, 2, 3, Matthew 1, 2, 3, 4. 12, 34 in Matthew's gospel. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So guess what? If all this rotten, putrid, corrupt talk is coming out of a person's mouth, what's in the heart? That's a reflection of what's in the heart. And here's Paul exhorting these Christians, you're supposed to have a new heart, all right? God has taken out the heart of stone and given you a heart of flesh. What's coming out of your mouth? Right? And this isn't the only time Paul's going to deal with this. We'll pick it up again in chapter 5 with the the kind of talk that comes out of a Christian's mouth. And and so, again, uh, the unnatural thing for a Christian is corrupt talk, rotten talk, uh, putrid talk. Stuff where, where you're, you're running people down and it's just empty, it's shallow, it's thoughtless kind of talk. And then the natural thing to do, I mean, what, what should come out is only such as is good for building up, right? That's, that's kind of a natural thing to do. It should, good stuff should be coming out of you, right? Only such as is good. And again, that corresponds to the good work from verse 28. Here's the good word, right? But then here's the supernatural, as fits the occasion, Okay. But then the supernatural part of this, that it may give grace to those who hear. Through our words, God is able to impart grace to others. Um, Christians, we ought to be people who have gracious words that come out of our lips. Uh, not, the, not the putrid stuff, not the rotten stuff, but good stuff. Right? It's a reflection of our, our good hearts, our new hearts that we have. Uh, is what comes out now uh, is that which is edifying. It builds people up. Again, the, the wise man talks about this in the book of Proverbs, chapter 15 and verse 23. Proverbs 15, 23. To make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in season, how good it is, right? Well, here's uh, the occasion. The season has come, right? and a word in season. Ah, oh, that's Christians, we need to be thoughtful in how we talk and how we address other people. Uh, and, and so we've, we've been granted new spiritual life. That ought to ref- be reflected in our lips and the things that we say to others. Our speech, it ought to be life-giving uh, and, and gracious to others. You could maybe say it this way. Christians, we ought to major in communication, right? Um, we... Uh, we need to be people who are lifelong learners uh, in, in ha- what we say and how we say it to others. We could say it this way. You know, this past Friday night, I went with my brother-in-law out to uh, Tracy High to help work a, uh, their, their, it happened to be their last football game of the season because, well, Tracy High lost. But one of the things that you'll see at a, at a high school game, at a college game, there will be these cheerleaders, right? And look, at one point, Tracy was down a couple touchdowns and it was late in the game. And yet those cheerleaders were on the sideline, you know, let's go, Tracy, let's go, and all that, right? You couldn't tell that they knew what was on the scoreboard. In a similar way, we need to be cheerleaders also for one another. We go out into a world that is broken, and it beats us down as Christians. It hammers us, and, and, and if it's not the world, it's the devil, and if it's not the devil, it's our flesh. And when we come together with one another, 
why would corrupt talk come out, right? We need to be building one another up. We need to be cheerleaders and encouraging one another to live the normal Christian life. Um, uh, and so, you know, we, why, why should there be friendly fire when it comes to the church? No, we need to uh, be people who have a word of grace to give to one another in uh, what is often an ungracious world that we live in. Verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. The mention of the Holy Spirit of God here corresponds back to verse 27, where you had mention of the devil. There's a supernatural component to all this. The devil, on the one hand, he's looking for any opportunity he can to, to just, ooh, just, uh, just, just give me any chance and I'll, I'll, I'll run with it. On the other hand, we've got the Holy Spirit, and he's, he's the helper. But here, there is behavior that we can engage in that will grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Paul here is also alluding to an, another Old Testament text in the book of Isaiah, chapter 63. Isaiah 63 and verse 10 says that uh, here, recounting what happened with God's people, they, the Israelites, they rebelled and they grieved His Holy Spirit. Therefore, He turned to be their enemy and He Himself fought against them. And so, grieving the Holy Spirit of God, again, the people under the Old Covenant did it, the New Covenant people, Paul assumed that that can happen too. You can engage in behavior uh, that is inappropriate, that is unbecoming of a Christian. Uh, we can, like them, they, we can rebel and refuse to obey God's Word. That's what they did. But here is Paul inscripturating for us the Word of God, saying, no, we... We shouldn't do that. Well, how could we do that? We've been walking through the text here. If we, if we engage in falsehood and, and seek after falsehood instead of the truth, that can be grievous to the Holy Spirit. If we go back to former behaviors that belong to our old self instead of pursuing the new self, that can be grievous to the Holy Spirit. If we... Uh, misuse anger, and we do sin in our anger. That can be grievous to the Holy Spirit. If we're not people who pursue after good, honest, hard work, but are instead stealing. And by the way, stealing, we didn't even talk about the number of ways we can do that. Stealing the company's time by not using it. I'm just going to, instead of taking my 10-minute break, I'm going to take 15. They owe it to me. We start sneaking those you know, office supplies, take, they're not going to notice this, take them home with me, right? There are a number of ways we can uh, steal and engage in theft. That can be grievous to the Holy Spirit as well. If we use corrupt language and, 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 and fail to use gracious, upbuilding words, that can be grievous to the Holy Spirit. If we are tied up in all kinds of bitterness and, and we're not kind to others and, and, and we're engaging in unforgiveness, things Paul's going to talk about here, these are grievous things as well to the Holy Spirit of God. Brothers and sisters, all of that grieves, it saddens the heart of God, the Holy Spirit. These things ought not be so among the people of God. There are other ways outside of this text. We can resist the Holy Spirit, Acts 7 and verse 51. We can lie to the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 5 and verse 3. We can blaspheme against Him, Mark 3 and verse 29. And on it goes. 
No, we have the Holy Spirit of God living within us. We ought to be uh, people who pursue holiness, fit vessels for the Holy Spirit to live within us. Why? Well, by whom? By the Holy Spirit. You were sealed for the day of redemption. There's this day of days that is coming, and you bear the seal of the Holy Spirit. You received Him, by the way. You were sealed when you heard the gospel and believed the gospel and repented of sin and obeyed God. And so we've, we've been sealed for all of that. Live in light of that seal. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander. seems to be some progression here the, the further you get into this. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander. Each of these has their own uh, specific meaning. Um, bitterness is tied often to resentment. You start harboring that resentment in your heart. Wrath, that's outbursts of anger. Uh, anger here uh, corresponds to that uh, kind of lingering, simmering feelings. Uh, clamor, this is like face-to-face heated confrontation. Your translation may say brawling. That's, that's all right, too. Slander is actually related to the devil. All right, that's, that's um, harmful speech that you're doing behind someone's back. If... If uh, clamor here is what you do in their, in their face, slander is what you do behind their back. All of it is, is, is captured here. Paul seeking to be uh, somewhat full in fleshing this out. But then also, it's interesting because uh, he goes on here, put all that away along with all malice. And there's some who see malice here uh, as, as kind of being the root of everything that we've seen. Malice is where you just you harbor ill will towards someone and you're always looking for kind of an opportunity to get them back and, and maybe even celebrating a little bit when ah, God, they got their, what's coming to them, right? That's malice. And that's to be put away. It's interesting. There are six things that are listed here. And, and six is often the number that corresponds to imperfection and the evil one. What was that number of the beast thing again? Six, 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 yeah. Yeah, and so Paul, again, masterful, just intentionally connecting all these things to the devil. And again, all these things are um, opportunities for him. Finally, verse 32, be kind to one another. Uh, Why would we seek to bring needless pain to our brothers and sisters? Right, The one another here connects back to verse 25, where we are members one of another. So be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, your translation may say compassionate. That's good too. Right? That's uh, an active thing that we're to be uh, compassionate toward each other, toward one another. Forgiving one another, says my English standard. It could also be translated forgiving yourselves. Uh, and that certainly has a, a component where we're, we're to be forgiving to each other. But sometimes the hardest person to forgive is yourself. Right? Well, here's the thing. God in Christ forgave you. Are you greater than God? Why, why can't you forgive yourself? I just can't move past. He's forgiven you, and you are not greater than God. And if He doesn't condemn you, there's no need for you to condemn yourself. How did God forgive us? He forgave us freely. Uh, there was no, we, we didn't merit it. In fact, it, it's demerited. It's, it's in spite of who we are that God has forgiven us in Christ uh, of our wrongs. How did He forgive us? He forgave us fully. Uh, God forgave us of every offense. He forgave us of all of our sin, freely, fully, and also uh, liberally. 
Um, How many were our sins? And yet, God, He was beyond gracious. We couldn't number all the sins that God has forgiven us. There are even sins we, we may not even be cognizant of. We're not aware, and yet God forgave all of our sins, every last one. And so um, we forgive ourselves, and we ought to be forgiving to others. We borrow the golden rule, do unto others as God has done unto you, all right? It's no wonder chapter 5 is going to pick up with, therefore, be imitators of God. Um, the church is uh, the perfect bride of Christ, but we are composed of imperfect people, and so we, we need to be people who are willing to forgive uh, one another. Again, just over an overview of the structure here. One last thing. <clears throat> Verses tw- verse 25 corresponds to verse 32. Kind of the social component, the one another aspect of this, right? Uh, where we speak the truth to his neighbor, for we are members one of another, but then also we are to be kind to one another and forgiving one another. There's a, there's th- those verses correspond to one another. And then we move to verses 26 and 31. Those correspond to one another because of the mention of anger. Um, uh, wrath and anger and all that is to be put away, but then also be angry and do not sin. Those two correspond to one another. And then verses uh, 27 and 30 correspond to one another because they present the supernatural reality. There is a devil, and he's on the prowl looking for you, but you also have help with the Holy Spirit of God within you. Don't grieve him. All meaning in the heart here, verses 28 and 29, uh, the good work that we are to pursue along with the good words that come out of our mouths. And Paul has brilliantly structured this whole thing. Uh, and in order to communicate to us the, the reality of that old self-behavior, we need to put that away. Sometimes the old self does, that behavior does crop up from time to time. Kill it. To quote my favorite Puritan, John Owen, be killing sin or it will be killing you. Put it to death. Put it, put it off. Put it away and put on the new self. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's changing how you think. And you no longer think like you used to. Now you see, ah, the supernatural and the spiritual component to everything you do. Meeting needs of others. Gracious words spoken. Uh, the, the reality of spiritual warfare going on, which will be dealt with in, in chapter 6 at length. Uh, and so how we re- react, how we respond to one another, uh, all dealt with here. Uh, and so the exhortation, brothers and sisters, let us be gracious people. Let us be forgiving people, patiently forbearing with one another. Let us be mindful that we too are imperfection, uh, imperfect, and we have our flaws as well. And let us seek to forgive as God in Christ forgave us. And that, that itself uh, is such a deep thing. Because forgiveness in view here, forgiveness in Christ points us to his cross. It's the blood of Christ, the precious blood of Jesus that forgives us of all of our sins. You want, to know how the <clears throat> you want to know how the gospel impacts every area of our life. It's right here. The forgiveness that God has supplied us in Christ. That impacts how we relate to one another and how we treat one another and how we live and move and have our being. Let's come with us to prayer. Father God, we see the, the high and holy calling of our, our walk 
And I think far more often than, than we like to admit, the old self reaches up that cold, dead, lifeless hand and takes control of the steering wheel of our lives. Father God, by your Holy Spirit who lives within us, help us to put to death the old self, to take off and put, put off and put away old self-behavior. And help us to cultivate new self-behaviors, truth and righteousness and holiness. Forgive us when we fall short. Help us day by day. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen.